Man Athletic Fundraising Football Friday podcast, week seven edition. No video this week because, well, there's a power thing going on right now. See, I managed to get through the whole storm without power, or with power and with my internet. Everything was great. Things here at, at, uh, at Casa de Maddie were good, um, except there was a tree kind of laying over the top of our stuff, just kind of laying next door. And uh, they decided to take care of that this morning, right as we were about to go uh, video when I, crazy. When I drove in the driveway, I think. Yeah, it was, uh, it was perfect, actually. It was really, it was really well done. So um, that's how that went. And then uh, we, we decided that we should just make it a podcast. So that's kind of where we're at today. Of course, you'll hear from all the coaches later. Uh, Oxford Hills Vikings head football coach Mark Soren will join Aaron Morse later on today. Uh, and we'll get that posted for you on the social media channels. Make sure you're following MBR Radio all weekend long. Uh, we'll be at Liberty University covering the University of Maine Black Bears men's uh, the, the football team year. there. Uh, yeah, the old road trip uh, coming back this year. They're playing 6 o'clock Saturday night. Uh, they got the true freshmen uh, on the road, so we'll see how that goes for them against Hugh Freeze and Liberty. And uh, then on Sunday, I'm going to slide over to uh, Redskins and see uh, the 49ers. I Jimmy G and the boys. They, they look great. Yeah. And you know, they've won without him being spectacular. Yeah. It's been okay. You know, just He's kind of been easing his way back in, but you know that there's going to be a performance at some point, that there, there's going to be a game at some point that they're going to need him. You well, know, that's, that's how these things usually turn, and it's him answering the bell on that is going to be the difference between them losing in a divisional round or a wild card round or making it to the Super Bowl. Sure. And, you know, uh, Brady went through that after he hurt his knee in 2008. It took him some games to really get his, no pun intended, feet underneath him and and so on. By the way, speaking of injuries, Patrick Mahomes. Tell you what, man. Somebody I, asked me to be on the cover of Madden. I'm like, can we wait till yeah, the, towards the end of my career? Yeah, maybe when I'm 35 or so. Um, I had a kid do that, dislocate the kneecap. And I'll tell you what, he was never the same. I know we're much better. Medicine is much better now, and you know they'll find a way to tape it, or brace it, and whatever. But it's just something about that the patella. It's an odd thing, and they say at least three weeks he's going to be out. And I, I just think it's going to be one of those things that quarterbacks get hit, they get twisted. They, I don't know. I hope for his sake, he's such a talent that that it's going to be all right. But boy. And you saw the play, right? It was nothing. Quarterback sneak. But that's the problem. Why are you having him run a well, quarterback sneak at that point? First thing I said to my wife, what? why is he running Every, every sneak? time what? we just saw this. Did we not just see this with Kevin Durant? We just saw this with Kevin Durant where he was obviously less than 100%. And the things nowadays is that everything is a chain reaction, right? Every Everything is the butterfly effect. Like if you've got something wrong and you're overcompensating and you have another issue that you're unaware of, underlying and you have to strain another part of your body to overcome and compensate for what the other part of your body's not doing, that can create a bigger injury or create a worse reaction later on. That's why I think it took so long for Gordon Hayward to even find his legs this year. I mean, I'm interested to see how he looks this year, but you know, Kevin Durant in that game specifically, like he tears an Achilles because of a calf injury, right? They get, yeah. they get tied in together specifically because of that, they're, because they're in the same neighborhood. What they found at Maine when I was there, they taped everybody all the time, and especially anybody who had been injured before. And then they found uh, 
later on, I was talking to Wes Jordan, the trainer, and he said, we don't tape anybody for practice anymore. And I went, what? And he said, really, we don't tape them for the games unless they've had, unless they've had an injury. I said, why not? He said, because exactly what you just said. Some out of the part of the body, because that one's a little tighter, tries to overcompensate. Next thing you know, you've got some other tear, a hamstring or, or something. And so we stopped doing it. We said, strengthen the, the ankles by, by not taping them and go from there. Yeah, but I, I felt bad. But, but I did say the same thing. Why, why is he running a quarterback sneak? You got backs to pound him up in there and get the one yard. I mean, it didn't make any sense to me. Makes no sense Cause, to me whatsoever. Because Brady did it twice Sunday. But he, he does have a – he kind of has a way of doing it and seems to have been okay for him. But you never know. So tonight's action across the NBR Radio Network, kind of a light night with some of the games that are there, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Lewiston at Scarborough tonight. Okay, that one will be on, uh, on 105.5 as well. Um, Lewiston at Scarborough. Then you'll have uh, tomorrow on video, you'll have Spruce Mountain at Oak Hill, uh, 1 o'clock. Wing and AJ. Off there. Uh, Wang and AJ and uh, the old uh, the great Carpini will be doing that one. The great Carpini, I like and it. Then, uh, and then tomorrow, Oxford Hills at Thornton Academy, and uh, that's going to be a 1 o'clock pregame on uh, 92.7 WOX. So, uh, of course, TA streams our own stuff. So if you're looking for their video stream, you want to dub the audio over. Aaron Morse, Nick, uh, Aaron Morse and uh, Bruce Nicholas will be on the call for that one tomorrow. Bruce Nicholas uh, with a late sub in. Who was for Nick Perry. Do, for Nick Perry. Who cannot read a schedule, what that's scheduled for Saturday and not understanding that what Saturdays are. So and then he and then he can't do a Wyndham game in a, next week or something. So I don't know. He's after asking for Wyndham games, mind you. Yeah. These people, Wayne. What's these people on? What's going on here? Um These people. The uh that's a big contest for Oxford Hills. If you if you had your druthers, and I'm sure they do. They'd like to be in the top four at least, right. so they get a home playoff game, at least one, and uh, and possibly two if there's an upset and whatever. But uh, that's a that's a tall order, with with Bonnie Eagle being the strong Thornton, Scarborough, Sanford. That's all those is is uh, Levine Xavier Levine back playing now? I, I haven't. I noticed, believe but. he's yeah. I I believe that's uh that's on the docket. I don't think he played last week. If he did, he wasn't a hundred percent. So yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that's another story right there. It's amazing how one player can create that. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, that's a it's a big deal. Well, with the way that they're running, people are running the spread and the read and whatever. Um, the quarterback's vital. It's. It's like the old wishbone, wishbone quarterback. He's got to be able to, to run. He's got to be able to read. He's got to be able to pitch the ball on the option. Uh, this is not quite the same, but it's on that caliber. You'd have to spend a lot of time teaching that quarterback how to get the feel for the running back so he knows it's his turn to get it, and et cetera, et cetera, and who you're reading, how you're going to read them, what, what are they telling you. So I, I remember... Talking a half the way about that, because everybody in his system does that from the time they're little, they're, they're using shotgun. And he said, um, well, Wyatt had, you know, 80% of his reads were really good, you know, so again, they, they grade that out. 
you should have given it this time, you should have kept it that time, you know, that kind of thing. So, so um, let's swing, switch over to this um, this uh, deal in cross country here. Uh, it's a football Friday, but this is, you know, this is a podcast, Big so we news. can talk about whatever the hell we sure. want. Yep. Um, for those of you unfamiliar or not familiar with the... Uh, uh, the situation. Levitt area high school sophomore Jonathan Showmaker uh, wants to basically run his postseason meets along with his teammates. Um, and I say run uh, because he, he does the cross country in a wheelchair. Um, so uh, due to a, a condition that he has. So he, um, him and his dad who I guess runs the courses alongside of him. Yeah. Um, if there's anything you need to correct me on here, I'm, I, I have to go by the, the stuff that we see out here. Um, basically, the, the biggest area of concern for the MPA here in not allowing him to race with the other runners, and the biggest issue is he wants to run with his teammates. His teammates want him to run with them. And the MPA is like, nope, sorry, there's safety, there's this, there's that, there's the other, right? I mean, the... The same things that you would expect any sort of a governing body to say in a situation like this, right? I'm not. You know, yeah. I'm not. Okay. So that. So you got that going, and then you also have uh, the scenario here that the basically the two options they've they've given him is like, you know, oh, we're going to honor you as the the person in the wheelchair division. Well, he's the only one. Okay. So it's kind of like. It's almost, I don't want to say patronizing, but I could see where it could be, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? sense? Yes. Like, I, I, don't, I don't like that at all. Um, I mean, I would like that if there was an actual division, right? If True. this started one of those divisions. Yeah. I mean, you can't tell me there's not some other, there, can't, there must be a couple of other, at least a couple, right? You know, somebody that would be interested, that, that'd be great. You know, maybe we start sure. that. If people knew that. Correct. And I think for the future, that very maybe. Correct. But I mean, be. you can't, I, I, you don't, you know, that, that honestly, like, I don't, I don't think anybody likes, a, likes any of those options. So. Um, no, the two options that they laid out were, um, as an outsider looking in, and remember, I was a member of the MPA, et cetera. I understand you know, some of the thought process that goes in for them of trying to be fair to everybody and whatever, but the solutions, I honestly don't feel are very good. Um, first of all, you got a kid who wants to do this, and you know, I don't know when the last time you ran a cross-country course, but they're not paved. They're over Hill and Dale. A lot of times in, in the regional and state meets, they run them at golf courses. So you're not going over routes and Right. And twigs and Which is what's else. happening here. Yeah. But it's still a formidable issue. There's no doubt. And uh, it just seems to me that maybe there are some narrow... I, th I think the original article that I read said that they were worried about when there are some narrow areas. Is there a safety issue? Maybe somebody trying to get by and tripping or tripping him or whatever. But I... You know, I, I honestly would say, um, if you ask the, all the other kids running in the race, would they be okay with him being on there in his wheelchair? So you know what they would say? Yeah. They would say yes. Right. Now, ten wheelchairs. Okay, now we need another division. Correct. 
One, not, I, don't, I don't believe it's going to make that much of a difference. So basically, the, the two choices for Levitt and Showmaker, option A is a separate wheelchair division that would compete at the state championship as well as the regional championship, and option B is what the MPA calls an exhibition race. Showmaker's desire is to race alongside his teammates. The letter the MPA sent Levitt principal uh, Eben Shaw, which was obtained by the Sun Journal, Adam Robinson, uh, old funky flash there uh, with the story on this one, has kind of the options there. But option A is that separate wheelchair race. They compete on the same day as runners on a shorter modified course. Um, after Tuesday's meetings at Twinbrook between Showmaker, his dad, uh, the Levitt coach, and the race director, there are three alternative courses referred to as A, B, and C mapped up for Showmaker. The course that is chosen by Showmaker and Levitt will also be used to set the distance used at next year's regional state meets in Belfast. Under that proposal, Showmaker would earn a medal at the end of each race and would have state records established for wheelchair meets to come. That's the one I was talking about a little bit ago. Option B is an integrated race that would allow Showmaker to race on course B alongside the other runners in the B-South Regional Championship race, which is Saturday, October 26th. This option includes having a marshal regulate one crossing of Showmaker and the runners in which runners would have right of way. Showmaker would not count as a team member the scoring of the race would not include a wheelchair division and therefore would not allow him to qualify to compete at the Class B state meet November 2nd, also at Twinbrook. Showmaker, Jonathan's father, said the options bring more questions. They both suck, said Showmaker. <laughs> They're so close. They're saying, we'll give you what you want, sort of, but we will still exclude him. Showmaker, along with a lawyer put on the case by the Disability Rights of Maine, which is where this thing gets really, really dicey doesn't understand why there must be two options i'm still at a loss they can recognize division by himself but if he runs the same course as other runners he isn't a wheelchair athlete it makes no sense to me or the lawyer the letter was received wednesday and the mpa has given the showmakers and levitt until friday to decide you have this dropped in your lap for a year a year guys come on said showmaker on thursday now we're presented with the option yesterday by a phone call to ryan laroche and are supposed to make a knee-jerk reaction off the interpretation of a phone call the mpa could not be reached for comment thursday and uh of course uh mpa executive director mike burnham mentions concerns for showmaker safety while this young man has participated in cross-country races during the season of mishap the twinbrook course with its uneven terrain steep hills sharp turns that could be slippery and muddy if there's rain before or during after the race will be very challenging burnham said Showmaker sees it differently after watching Jonathan test the Twinbrook course Tuesday, which Bisson, the head of the NPA's cross-country committee, was unable to attend due to illness. Overall, it's slower than some courses because the first half mile is in the grass. They have bothered to show up when we did the run-through. The NPA could see what he does. It's a non-issue. It's the smoothest course we've done all season. I counted three routes all course. Levitt has routes three times as tall and that many every 10 feet. Either it's safe or not, and obviously it is, because I wouldn't put my kid in harm's way. I said you... Maybe one of the things you... This is... I don't understand. This is... Is this a hill to die on at the end of the day? Is this a hill to die on? No, I I mean, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, when you look in the big picture, uh, are you opening up and there are going to be more wheelchair kids next year? Great. Would would that be bad? I think that'd be good. Look, we've all seen... Have have we all not seen what what the basketball stuff has done? Right? Um, you know, the Unified Basketball? Absolutely. Great stories. Fun stuff there, right? Yeah. Great stuff. I, I think you, one of the options for me would be 
he uh, signs a, dis a, uh, a waiver claim. In other words, I understand that I could tip and get hurt and I will not hold the MPA or the, the facility or the meat, all that stuff liable, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I don't, like I say, I, I think the MPA gets into a corner over trying to make it fair for everybody and it ends up not being that way. Um, you know, I'm thinking about the, remember the golfer who had, was it MS? He, he wanted to use a cart for the PGA Championship, you know, step out of the cart, hit the ball, get back in the cart. And the MPA said, no, that we understand you have a condition, but the whole, one of the things is you have to walk the course and, you know, so on and so forth. Okay, that's a little different than what this one feels like and looks like. But, uh, yeah, you know, this is one of those ones that I don't know what the good answers are. I'd have to think about it a long time to figure out what they are. And I'd probably, you know, if I get a chance to go down and walk the course and see what the concerns are, you know, the sharp turns and the whatever, okay, he's going to slow down. Is there room enough for somebody to get by him? At the end of the day, we cross country runners don't run four across. There's until so they get many in the opening. There's so many people. I mean, we couldn't have sent somebody down there. Like I, I appreciate the illness stuff, and sometimes the stuff just times up. But we couldn't have had multiple people down there. We couldn't have had somebody just stop by. In this day and age, we can't have someone record this. Really? Could have had him do it. You could have had someone record him well, running I mean, the going yeah, to the track. Could have him do it. Yeah, Why not? Why not strap a GoPro on and be like, let's go and let's see how it works. I think that would have been. To me, that's my idea. That, that's all. Yeah, that's that's fabulous. Slap a slap a GoPro on there. Send him over to Twinbrook. Let him do his thing. Okay, put it on a GoPro and then upload it. And then we'll just you know what? And then what we'll do? We'll put it to a vote to the public. Do you think this is safe? Would you want your kid running with this kid? Yes or no? Right. I mean, I I I, I mean, at this point, of like, because this is silliness. It's such. Just let let this. This isn't. This isn't worth it. This isn't worth it for the bad publicity alone. Well, I told you before, if you asked everybody that's in the race, every one of them would say, let them go. There, there is just 100% no need for that. I don't think in, in any situation right now, I don't think bad publicity is... Eh. No, you don't. No, no. There's, there's, Not there for the is, MPA. There is literally no value to it. And if anything, you can set something up because I'll tell you now, any organization like that, you know that there is somebody out there laying in the weeds... And some of them may not be laying in the weeds. Some, some of them may be standing in the weeds, weeds waving like those dogs from Duck Hunt when they laugh at you and you miss when you were shooting on Duck Hunt and the Nintendo games back in the day. Just pop out of the weeds, laugh at you because the duck flew away. They, they might be waiting for you to screw up, okay? In some sort of a manner that allows people to be like, you know what? What are they doing here? I, I don't think it's worth it at all. I just don't. And, and then it's just, I don't think it's worth it. This would be the one time I wouldn't mind us having a call in where you could call in and say, here's my concern about the kid being in the race. What, what would it be? Because I'm not seeing it. I mean, did, have, if they're letting him run races on the regular anyways, and I've seen some of these, look, I've seen some of these cross-country oh courses that they used to run. Like, there was a place in Dixfield we used to have back in the called the Buggy Trail that went to the road that I lived on in Dixfield, which was Hall Hill. It's all owned by Irving Forest now, but like... That was all like, I mean, people would be drunk, uh, could have been drunk of the woods partying on Friday night. And then we got kids like running through these dirt skitter trails, right? 
like on on Tuesday afternoons, yeah. and you just got random kids running through your neighborhood. Well, as they did, there's plenty of there's course at Levitt. I've been on it. There's yeah. there's roots. There's stuff sticking up. There's yeah. I I just I I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I agree with you. The the negative publicity. It's just not worth it. It's just it is now, it is the publicity that he, he tips it. and gets hurt, or another kid trips over him and gets hurt. Yeah. Okay. I you know I understand this concern there, but. But at some point, are we becoming so allergic to the phrase accidents happen or are we just looking for an excuse or something to blame every time there's any sort of tragedy or misfortune, right? Remember when the local school had a kid that came in and said, somebody pushed me on the course and Mm -hmm. it was a big to-do and it actually wasn't true. Um, You know, there's always stuff. Right. All the time. I, I guess I don't see it. I don't know. I, I think, that, but that's how it's always going to be, though. And and the more, like honestly, the more accommodations that we make for everything, there's going to be uh, things that kind of like bump into other things, right? So how many times are we just gonna? How many times are we just gonna contradict everything? Be like, well, we'll have to do it for this time. Like, what happens to the next one? And it doesn't even match the track rule. Like, the, the track rule's totally different, because I guess he can run by himself in track, but he was learning the chair because it's a different type of track. I don't know. The whole thing is a mess, and I really hope cooler heads prevail here, because I would hate to see this um, blow up even further. And it looks like when you've got disability rights lawyers involved, I mean, that's their job, and they're going to fight. They're going to fight like hell uh, to anything. And when you get folks that want to fight like hell on anything involved in something like that, it never ends well. For Who? it never ends well. I mean, this is a tough. This is a tough. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure Dick DeRost is is not depressed today that he doesn't oh. have to deal with this. Yeah, I was going to say no that. more Dick DeRost. Yeah, he's like, oh hey, oh sorry, you got to handle that. That's, yeah. 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 So I am gone. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about, you had a uh, Lewiston Scarborough game last week. Yes. And uh, for those of you that are looking, uh, no, it wasn't no, Lewiston Scarborough. Lewiston Bonnie Eagle. Lewiston Scarborough's tonight. Lewiston Bonnie Eagle. I was going along with you. You and, you and Jeff Benson. Yes. Who is the head of the uh, the MPA officiating committee. I right? asked him about this, yeah. about what happened. We'll talk about what happened in a minute. Okay. It's not his job to evaluate the officials. Oh, uh, Okay. Specifically, I mean, okay. ultimately it, it is, but right. he's there's some organization stuff that they wanted him to do to keep them abreast and and uh, making sure that things are uniform. In other words, if Maddie Boutwell gets kicked out of that game, who's notifying the head of the officials, which is him? Who's notify? How are they doing it? You know, some kind of not some bolt stuff is right. more what the job looks like this year, I believe. Anyway. He was there. He threw his hands up just like I did. Let me let me explain the situation, folks. It was a uh, first and ten from the twenty-yard line. Bonnie Eagle in a close game at the time, and the Bonnie Eagle runner cut and came right toward us. So on our MBR um, broadcast, we had the the video of it perfectly. I mean, if we'd lined it up, we couldn't have lined it up any better. He, his progress was not stopped, in my opinion. He, he, uh, he fumbled the ball. Lewiston recovered on about the 28-yard line, maybe, you know, maybe the 30, but somewhere in there. We ran it back on replay four times, and every single time I never changed my mind about 
any of those issues. Suddenly there's a meeting with the officials and the ball is back at the 20. And I made some reply like, well, were we just kidding? I don't understand what just happened. Well, we didn't like that play. We're going to try it over. Lewis had the ball. And they were some excited to think that they had the ball in close with a chance to punch one in. And the official running the clock up in the tower said, inadvertent whistle. Well, I'd have to get my chart out for signals. I don't know if there's a signal for inadvertent whistle. But anyway, they didn't didn't give a signal if there is one. And um, so suddenly it's first down. I guess there's an option. And I asked Hartley. He didn't think that he was given any option. But anyway, it was first down all over again. They started to play. I thought inadvertent whistle. The ball was wherever you blew the whistle. What option? Ball was dead. As soon as they blow the whistle, the ball's dead. It'll be second down. And so they just whatever. they just called the do over. Do over back at the twenty. So that's number. There's a second thing that I first of all it was a fumble. Secondly, I didn't know that they did it over. I thought wherever they blew the whistle, because you've seen two of those yourself, Oxford Hills blew the whistle. The ball's dead. I've seen this Done. more than once. How about sh- Done. I, I mean, you know, I remember that. Between that one, remember we have we've talked about that Shepherds Lewis yeah. game uh, at Fitzy on a Saturday afternoon before. Like there are just some things sometimes that you see in these games that if we didn't video stream them, like I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even begin to be able to say, hey, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even want to talk about it. I, I the 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 one up in up in Bangor with the with the two where they just blew the play yeah, dead. Yeah, you you were like nuts over that. Like. What do you do? Like back to back, back to back plays too. It was it was insane. So, so anyway, uh, the ball but, went back to the twenty. First down, like nothing happened. Right. So what happens? Of course. Yeah, I kept looking at Bruce going, "What?" So the next play, they throw a little. I call it slip screen to the to the wide receiver Humphrey. He makes a little move, beats a, the tackler, runs eighty yards for a touchdown. That's so Lewiston, instead of having the ball on the at least inside the thirty going in. They're down another touchdown. And, you know, it's like, what just happened? That was... That's the sort of thing right there that we talked about, like... When people ask me all the time, they're like, who, you know... Because a lot of people I in the MBR forums talk about this, too. How's the reclassification going? How's it looking? Well, I mean, for your top half of A, you're pretty okay, right? As long as Xavier Levine's healthy... You've, you've got some balance there. Got the top five are pretty good. O- Oxford Hills would be the, the leader of the next tier, and they could make that jump, I think, with, you know, another year of, of seasoning. You know, they've got a couple of good classes coming in. Basically, every other year, they seem to have a new kind of a reload. So we'll see how they do uh, this year so that they can build off of that for next year. But, um, you know, Lewis and Edward Little are kind of the two that are bringing up the pack, and Lewis has the kids, okay? I mean, there's going to be kids, they got some speed. And they got yeah. some talent. And, I mean, they've got some athletes. I mean, these, these kids, they, they, uh, there's always a team from Lewiston in the Little League somethings, right? Every bleeping summer. And then you see them in flag football. You see them all over the place. So somewhere along the way, they either get to high school and they fade out or they don't make it to high school. They fade out beforehand. But there's some, there's some excitement there right now. They've got great facilities, right? Insane facilities. 
Um, and to get a good coaching staff. I mean, uh, Hartley, I think, has done a good job going in there and also kind of changing the culture a little he, bit there as well. He's really positive, get, really getting, fired getting up. All those, uh, getting all uh, those, getting the, you know, kind of following the UMaine program, the way that was set up, right? I mean, to me, that's pretty solid stuff. That's that's the sort of thing you want to you wanna see. Um, and then if you can, you can model your program after that and keep that going, great. Um, but you, you hope that that happens for Edward Little soon. I mean, Edward Little's going to go on the road tonight, and I think if we were, you know... If we were looking at high school the way we looked at college or pro, I, I would I would make Mount Blue probably a, a, a three touchdown favorite tonight, you know. And I, I two years ago, imagine Grant Hartley and Edward Little going into Mount Blue. I mean, that would have been over by halftime. Oh yeah, yeah. I think they're lacking in in offensive skill people in the places they need them. Well, they were down to like three offensive Ty- linemen. The other yeah, night Tyler or something? Tyler Green is a, is a good halfback, but they need some stuff to go with them. Yeah. They uh, they're under undermanned right now. They've had a ton of injuries. Um, their numbers aren't great. You know they're they're struggling right now. And I think Bangor, I, I think Coach Morris has done a nice job bringing them back. They're not all the way back yet. Uh, they scored twenty. But you know what? They're against. going they're going on the road oh, beating Edward Little, right? Oh yeah, they're going in the right direction. Yeah. And uh, you know people think you come in and, and snap your fingers and the program changes. I got news for you. You got to start back at the at the little kids level. Now, I happened because my sister was uh, is from Bangor. Well, she she knows more than Bangor, and her kids played for Bangor. Uh, so I, the Junior Rams. I I don't know why whether she sent it to me the first time, but I get their notices. They got games going all over the place, and uh, don't forget bring this. Da, 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 da. I mean, there's a whole big script of things that are happening. That's how you build a program. You you go back at the beginning, you build it up. The, the question is whether or not everybody's going to give you have enough patience to give you the time to get there, a la Washington Nationals. Last year, they, they stunk it up. They had Bryce Harper. They let him go. They're nine and 30, 19 and 31. Mm-hmm. You tell me they weren't clamoring for Martina's head as the manager? Where are they right now? Yeah, well, they're in the World Series. Mm-hmm. Whether they're going to win or not is beside the point as far as I'm concerned. But I'm a little bitter about it because, you know... Yes, just a little. Yeah. If this was not the high school, pro, uh, the if if I didn't talk primarily oh, if high school. If it was our regular show back in the old days, we'd regu- be. If this, no, if this was just our normal show now where I would just do and say whatever, oh, I would, I would oh, drop man. an absolute F-bomb about about the Nationals. But I'm, I'm not because at the end of the day, it's a great story. It's a great story. But what gets me is it shows you how far we've come as a society because all I ever see about the Nationals is stories about how they're doing this without Bryce Harper. Same thing like Glaber Torres. Do you know how old Glaber Torres is, by the way? He's 22 years old. I'm not sure if you're aware of that or not. They only mention it every... Is he shaving? Bleeping play, right? Um, It's just one of these deals where, like, it gets so lazy and so repetitive and so beat in. It's easy. And so negative. Yeah. And you know that Dan Shaughnessy is just going back to old columns from 2006. I I listened to him on the way out. And 2009. That's why I mentioned it. 2012. I'm telling you. Guys like him, they're get, grabbing those columns. They're like, okay, well, we don't have Moss anymore, but I can substitute this name for Randy Moss, or I can substitute this name for this. It is just... Tomato cans. He says it every day. It's the Patriots' fault that Andy Reid's stupid and let Patrick Mahomes run a QB sneak. Have you ever seen... When they have multiple running backs, they have a tight end. They have, they have so many running backs that like you don't even oh, yeah. know which one to pick in fantasy. 
Okay. Lashawn McCoy. You can, Lashawn McCoy. Either one of the D Williams. Okay. There's there's Deshaun. There's Damian. Damian. There's a. I don't know. I own two of them in fantasy. I just there don't. You go. I don't. Fr- all I know is which one is projected to play that week, and then I just flip flop between the two. That's really that's really what it boils down to. If, but. if I shown you the the statistics, because somebody got tired of listening to that, and said, "Here are the Patriots winning percentages against the different conferences." Now. Against the AFC East, it's in the top three. It's not the best one. The best one is against the NFC East. It's like 870, a winning percentage. It's like, hey, guys, they play who you tell you to play. It's insanity. Yeah, and, and yet that's all we hear over and over is, oh, well, you know, they, have, they got a tomato can schedule or whatever. They make the schedule up five years in advance. They already know who they're playing, what conference next year out of theirs and it's crazy. Uh, it's just crazy. Here it is right here. AFC East, 782. AFC North, 781. AFC South, 771. NFC East, 813. NFC North, 850. NFC South, 750. NFC West, 750. AFC West, 813. Stop whining. Now, I understand that they play many more games against the AFC East. But they could go against uh, one of those divisions that never beat them ever. Mm-hmm. Not so, folks. So stop saying that. Tomato cans. Is it the Patriots' fault that these other, <laughs> these other teams keep screwing up and making horrible mistakes? Well, we're supposed to say, well, okay, we'll let you win. They should make an apology for it. We'll let you win. I think of some of the dumb moves that people made when the Cowboys were in church. Because here's what happens. These teams get good, and then they go out and they make counter moves to try to get as good as those other teams. And sometimes they're not great combinations, right? Like, I'm going to be real interested this year in the NBA to see that. Like, does the Houston thing implode, right? Does the Clippers thing implode? Does the Lakers thing implode? Do the Celtics implode? Do the Bucks implode? Do the Sixers implode? Everybody has changed their DNA, oh, yeah. Yeah. basically, of who they are in the offseason, or they've gone back to a previous DNA that they feel more comfortable with, like the Celtics. So it's going to be – you see that everywhere now, and you're starting to see the, the realm of that. It's, that. it's that effect again of, you know, you affect one thing, and then everything else is a chain reaction. So people keep doing that in the, in the league. I mean, people rebuild all the time. I mean, Miami was spending a bunch of money in free agency just a couple of years ago. Now they're getting rid of everybody, well, right? And and uh, Minnesota spent Minnesota. how much money on Cousins? How much money did they spend on Kirk uh, Cousins? And guaranteed money. Was that, there some sense that he was great? Uh, I, mean, I thought he was, uh, everyone thought he was going to be the guy that took him to the top, I, think he, I guess. I think he's middle of the pack. Maybe. Not something you Lower spend middle of the $80 pack. million dollars on. Yeah. By the way, I feel bad for the Chargers. They maybe should have moved on from Phillip Rivers a long time ago. They waited too long. They're cooked. They? Well, I, I, I think... And he just keeps having kids, so he's not going to stop playing. It's As someone kid. who keeps having kids, like, I just, you know, like, I can't... You know the feeling, right? I just yeah. keep going, okay, you want me to what? Okay, sure, we'll do that, you know? The, the uh, well, it, again, it's, it's the genius of Bill Belichick. He doesn't get emotionally involved. He would rather trade you one year early than two years late, and that's yep. where the charges are. And he's not going to usually, except he knew when Stefan Gilmore and they... He signed him that big contract. Everybody mm-hmm. went, what? Well, gee, was he right? Uh, yes, that'd be correct. He was dead on. You know, so uh, he, what, what are we, we're supposed to tell him not to make the right moves? Huh? You know, and I, I love what somebody made in a, one of the broadcasters made a comment saying, 
Dan Brady, he could go into the stands, grab three guys from Dorchester and probably beat you, you know? I mean, when you look at who he said for receivers, no wonder he was excited about having Antonio Brown. He's never had, you know, even Moss. Moss was a straight down the field, throw it to him. He's going to catch it or he doesn't. Antonio Brown's a receiver, a great receiver. He's a jerk of a person, but he's made more with less. I go back to, they made it to the AFC Championship game. Rishi Caldwell was their best receiver. Here's all I'm going to tell Hello. you. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Within the next two weeks, we're going to feel really differently about N. Keel Harry. Okay. Oh, yeah, I think he's going I to feel right. very confident that that young man is going to turn out to be everything that we could have possibly hoped for. I think you'll have a healthy Gordon come back real soon. I think Edelman will just keep doing Edelman things. And I think you'll have the rest. I think the rest of it will kind of fall into place. I also think there'll be some other move. I would not they, be. They got to get I'll, a tight end. I'll tell you the guy that I think they're going to end up with because I, I think the league is starting to go towards everybody wants one of these guys on their team that can maybe occasionally play a different position. But I would not be shocked to see them go after maybe a Mohamed Sanu from Atlanta. That name's come up a lot. Um, former Rutgers guy, uh, has a lot of the skill sets that you oh, would want. He's all set then, right? Yeah. <laughs> also does a good job. He could do, uh, he could ever, if you ever, for whatever reason, need to do Wildcat stuff for whatever reason, that could be in there. And when you're talking about playoff time, you're talking about whatever, you get a, a Wildcat quarterback with, with, you know, let's throw Alzinger and, and Edelman on one play, right? And then flank Brady out to the left or right. There's a lot of different things sure. you would be able to do during that time frame. Yeah, yeah. There's a ton of trickeration that you could pull, and then all of a sudden Brady could end up with the football, throwing it to a wide-open Ben Watson, who's back with the team. So I feel good about the Patriots. I think the Patriots 49ers Super Bowl that everybody continues to talk about now. What I told you a long time ago that was happening. I'm right? in. So, in. And then I think if Brady – I think either way, if Brady wins or loses, I think that will be it, right? I think at the end of the day, he has to play his childhood team in the Super Bowl. I think that's how the universe wants us. Like, he's already, he's played the Rams twice. Yeah. Gone. Gone. Played the Eagles twice. One apiece. Played the Giants twice. Yep. Probably not the Panthers this year. Although, you never know, Kyle Allen might lead him to the promised land. By the way, after he, Denver's he, little thing he last night. A better team, by the way. I'll tell you what, after Denver's thing last night, if I'm Denver, if I'm John Elway, I'm calling yeah. Carolina today and be like, what would you want for Cam Newton? Yeah. And I know it can't be a ton of things because. We're p picking up damaged yeah. goods right now. Well, he, he uh, was the golden boy, Elway, for a little bit, who he picked and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. Not so much anymore. He's made some horrible mistakes. Well, I mean, that, 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 he's said it was fifth quarterback that has been terrible. His, that offensive line is terrible. Oh, yeah. I felt bad for Flacco last night. Like, every, every throw he would make, he could not finish off with his hands. Like, but, it was, it was ri ridiculous. But like, you can't have a stationary quarterback. I mean, you think Brady would look good behind that line? No. no. Nobody you would. You could have somebody who can roll out or, or scramble. Yeah. Or, ooh, you need someone bad. who's going to be athletic and being able to do things. But that I don't know if bad. Cam Newton's even capable of that anymore because he's gone vegan. And you know what happens when people go vegan. Literally, they fall apart. They just fall apart. That's a tough league to Physically be vegan Physically fall in. apart. Like, that's a tough league to be vegan in. Damn tough league. All right, that wraps it up for us on this side of things this week. Uh, again, Main at Liberty tomorrow on Saturday, 6 p.m. Uh, make sure you follow MBR Radio on Twitter and on Instagram for that. Have some fun sideline stuff and some post-game stuff as well. Bring the old, uh, the badass tablet down to, uh, to Ooh, do things sweet. differently this, this, this year. So um, that way I don't have to kill my phone the whole time. It'll be nice. Um, 
Also, I'll feel a little bit more important. Spruce at Oak Hill tomorrow. Spruce at Oak Hill tomorrow will be the video stream game tomorrow. Uh, Lewiston at Scarborough will be the video stream game tonight. That one will be on the YouTube channel. Uh, Oak Hill Spruce will be on the Facebook channel tomorrow. Uh, Oxford Hills Thornton Academy will be on WOXO 92.7 tomorrow. You'll also have the, um, the uh, Lewiston game on 105.5 tonight as well. You're going to hear from some coaches in a little bit, including Levitt head football coach Mike Hathaway, Oak Hill head football coach Jason Doucette, Lisbon head football coach Chris Gates, Edward Little head football coach Dave Sterling, Poland head football coach Spencer Emerson, and Lewiston head football coach Darren Hartley. This has been the Maine Athletic Fundraising Football Friday podcast from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the MBR radio network on a Friday for week seven. Let's listen to some coaches. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. And now there's a new winning team to add to the list. Spectrum Orthopedics, an all-star roster of orthopedic experts delivering top care right here in your backyard. Spectrum Orthopedics is made up of three of the area's top orthopedic practices. OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, and Falmouth Orthopedic Center. Spectrum Orthopedics makes it easier for physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff to share resources and work as one, making patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about Spectrum Orthopedics and connect with a provider in your area, visit spectrumhcp.com forward slash ortho. Our goal at Maine Athletic Fundraising is to raise you the most amount of money in the shortest period of time, hassle-free. To learn more, visit them online at mainaf.com. I'm here with Levitt head football coach Mike Hathaway. Coach, uh, what a great win on uh, Saturday night. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, uh, our coaching staff did a nice job with the game plan. The kids did a nice job of, of executing it. And uh, it was a great atmosphere to, to play a high school football game, for sure, against a, a real worthy opponent. Yeah, and you know, it's probably an opponent. I mean, all kidding aside, probably going to see again at some point. I Hopefully. Would, I, I mean, we both think. got to get there. So, yeah, you know, sure. I mean, right now we're, we're working on Kate pretty hard. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, there's always that possibility that we're going to see those guys again. And, and if we do, I'm sure it's going to be a tough game. The uh, I told you, I watched it um, in Skowhegan, and uh, we, we don't very often see Wells' offense just totally shut down. Yep. Or – the fact that somebody can score them uh, 22 points. I mean, they've given up some points this year, I will say that, but their offense not being able to move is pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, you know, uh, Coach Bonavi and, and uh, the rest of our defensive staff did a great job with the game plan. Um, you know, and as, as we were talking before off the air, we, uh, you know, we, we had to go a little ways into our depth chart uh, the other night with some injuries too. So, uh, you know, not only did they do a great job putting together the plan, but they did a great job coaching up uh, not just the, the first guys, but the second guys. Um, you know, we lost both our safeties in that game, which, you know, when you're rolling those guys up in the box, you're asking quite a bit of those guys in terms of playing the run and covering the pass. And uh, Keegan Melanson and Mark Herman had to come in. Marky slid down from corner and, and played our free safety spot. And uh, this was the first week because of an injury that Keegan could play defense uh, in a few weeks. So he rolled down as the rover. And, and uh, those guys did a nice job in run support of, of kind of cleaning up some plays and, and just handling their responsibilities. And Matt Wallingford, when, when Mark 
you know, step down to free. Matt Wallingford comes in at corner and, and gets two interceptions. So, um, you know, pr- pretty good, pretty good day for some of those guys. Yeah, you know, a kid that, I mean, you don't know if you're going to play, and then all of a sudden you're in and you make two great plays. That, that's yeah, so, really you know, but really, you know, they, they asked after the game, did you do anything special? And, and we really didn't. It was more, you know, we, we had a few adjustments that we threw in there where we shaded or, or dropped into a 6-1 once in a while, but mostly it was just our base defense and guys reading the keys and defeating blocks and, and tackling well. And, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was more that than any sort of scheme, really. Yeah, we all noticed the quarterback and the big end, uh, you know, Cam ran down the sideline with the ball. We all noticed all those things. I really thought that the guys up front on both sides of the ball really handled that game. They really did. Yeah, we thought really going in, and, and you know, we talked about it in our meeting after the game that, um, you know, two things were, were going to be real key. One was physicality. We, we were going to have to, you know, not just match theirs, but be more physical uh, than they were. And uh, tempo. Uh, we, we just felt like with... Uh, you know, if we could play fast on offense and, and really amp up the tempo that, you know, by the time it got to late third, fourth quarter, uh, that would be a big time advantage for us, knowing that we're going to play a lot of guys and, and knowing that we play with that tempo all the time. And that's a hard thing for teams to recreate and practice, um, you know, and I, I thought we just did a good job uh, with that during the game. Yeah, I think, I don't think there's any question. I, one of the things that, what game that I watched the other day, the offense had, well, I know it was, it was the game, uh, Colts and uh, Kansas City a week ago. Yep. The Colts had so many more plays, and they ran the ball and ran. I mean, the the possession time was three to one. Yeah. Most times, you're going to wear the other team down when you do that. Yeah, I mean, that's the idea is that you know if we can get the call in quick and and uh, get our guys up to the line of scrimmage and um, you know still be physical and and you know we're, we're uh, you know we run the ball outside a lot with the sweeps and we throw the ball a lot, so guys got to pass rush and. You know, we, we also trap a lot, so your linemen are, you know, eating those those trap blocks, and, you know, it just wears on teams over time. And uh, We just feel like that's an advantage going into the fourth for us. You know, we kind of talked about that off the air after our interview last week. You know, so many of the of the spread teams that are running the, the read, zone read, that's they're only zone blocking, yep. and they're not trapping, and they're not pulling the guys, and you've always done that. Yeah, it's been a big part, you know, uh, uh, coach Bockler, our line coach, is, uh, you know, teaches that really well. Um, we, we've got, a, I think, a pretty good history here of uh, taking some guards who are probably built like fullbacks and, uh, you know, using those guys and, and letting them get out and run. But, you know, the nice thing about our line this year is all five of those guys pull. I mean, we pulled the center a lot uh, the other night against Wells uh, because they're in a 40 front, so he's uncovered. Um, and, you know, we, we've got some rules that we use up front there. But when you've got five guys that, that can pull um, – you know, plus some of the H-backs and tailbacks that we use blocking out of the backfield. It, you know, it really allows you to, to do some different things and, and be pretty creative with it. So, Yeah, I think, like you said, I, I even think uh, way back when you first started uh, with the shotgun, you really run a wing T from shotgun. I mean, you said that many yeah, times. Yeah, a lot of jet sweep, a lot of buck sweep, yeah. um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of quarterback trap. Uh, pulling the guards and trapping and, you know, uh, most of those zone read teams don't do that. Yeah, and I, I think the cool thing now is we've, you know, we've been able to package that with the read stuff, and uh, you know, we did a lot the other night where we're, you know, we're pulling the lineman one way, but reading, and, and the ball's coming back the other way. Uh, so you know, as a linebacker, I think lots of times when people prep for us, they're probably telling their linebackers, read your guards, they'll take you to the football, um, and that's not so much the case anymore. They could be running one way, and you know, it might be sweep the other way, or it might be quarterback the other way, or, or whatever, and. Uh, you know, if, if your quarterback can, can handle that, then it, it's, uh, it's awful tough on a defense. 
Uh, you've mentioned a couple of names. Uh, any particular kids uh, that that you thought stood out? I mean, I know you talked about kids that had to come in. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, uh, you know, obviously, I think a lot of it starts with Cam Jordan. Um, you know, who I think everybody saw and and, and knows, but uh, he was truly dominant on both sides of the football. Um, he ran the ball. He caught the ball. Uh, defensively, he, you know, was was just everywhere. Um, so you know that 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 was a, a great game against a great team, uh, and, and he's a, a fantastic football player. Um, obviously, we got good play out of the quarterback too. We threw for over 200 yards. Uh, you know, we hit the big touchdown coming out of halftime, which was a play that, you know, the, the kids actually at halftime were talking about that they wanted to run, um, that, that they thought we had, and we came out and ran it the second play and we scored. Um, there was a time when we were struggling a little bit to run the football, and, and Wyatt was able to move us down the field and. Uh, you know, I thought our, our pass protection was great, and he was able to set his feet and get the ball out on time. And, and uh, when he had to extend the play, he did a great job. Uh, we lost both our tailbacks in that game early in the second quarter. So uh, Garrett J. Bush came in. Um, he blocked well on our sweeps. He ran for a touchdown late in the fourth to, to put us up 22-8. to eight. Um, So, you know, when, when you get down to tailback number three, uh, you know, sometimes that can, can look a little squirrely, but Garrett did a, you know, he's been prepping all year. And, uh, you know, it's a senior who hasn't gotten a lot of playing time necessarily, um, but he, he hasn't griped about it at all. He, he just works hard every week, sticks with it, and you know, he comes out in the biggest game of the year and scores a touchdown and has a great game. So, Well, not only does it sometimes for a team look squirrely, too many times those kids don't know what they're doing. And the fact that you've prepped him enough that, and he stuck with it enough that he knew what he was doing is is. Yeah, we talk a lot in practice about mental reps and, you know, when, when we're doing stuff and we're running plays and, and he's behind on offense and it's not his turn, he's actually talking with the other tailback. I can hear him all the time about, when, you know, when I call the play, he's like, yeah, we got to do this. And, uh, you know, some guys in practice, they take, when they're not in, they take the play off. They're getting the water, or, you know, they're yakking on the side, but he's definitely not that type of kid. Uh, you know, we, our guys do a pretty good job of, you know, watching film, you know, looking at the handouts, knowing what they're doing paying attention when it's not their play in offense, and then when you need them on game night, it, it pays off. Um, Coach, now, I mean, a huge win. I mean, there isn't anybody that wasn't paying attention. I mean, even, I, I don't know how many scouts were here, but probably all of them. Yeah. And in, in watching the game, they were ringed all the way around the field pretty deep. I mean, it's the kind of thing that kids play for and you coach for and whatever. So it's a big win. You want them to enjoy it and whatever. However... You got another game this week. Yeah. So what kind of things uh, do you focus on to make sure that you aren't either looking by this team or still celebrating from last week? Well, I mean, you know, one, one is our coaches get right back in the film room right after the game. So, uh, you know, we watch, uh, we watch the game immediately when it's over, uh, kind of take our notes and know what we need to coach up in our positions. Um, and then we start game planning for the next one. And then by Sunday we've got all the film stuff emailed out uh, to all the kids on huddle. Uh, we let them know what we want them to watch. And then Monday when we came in, we're not watching the, the tape of the game. We, we're directly on the Cape. So, uh, you know, we installed the game plan early Monday morning, uh, watched a bunch of film on those guys. It was nice not having school, had a, had a little extra time to, to get a little more film time in. Uh, and the install's done. And, you know, we, we told our kids that win doesn't mean anything if you don't come out and beat Cape this week. Sure. Uh, because all the advantage that you may have gained – uh, in the running for the home field, you're going to lose. So uh, this game really is just as important as that game. And, and a pretty worthy opponent this week, too. Keeps 4-2. and two, uh, um, 
you know, they're a spread offense, and, you know, Matt Laughlin is a tremendous receiver, one of the best receivers in the state of Maine, uh, hands down. Uh, they've got some other good athletes over there as well. Um, you know, Gann Stewart, the quarterback, is, has really played at a high level this year, and we see those guys in the summer. So, um, you know, our, our kids know that those guys can play because, they, they you know, they're at camp with them in the summer, and uh, there's a lot of respect there, and their coaches and new, new staff primarily, but uh, they've done a great job of putting some stuff together, and, um, you know, we're, we're certainly not taking those guys lightly. Well, matter of fact, they had a one-point game with Wells. They lost 35-34, I think it was. Yeah, so I mean, they, they can put up they some points play. in yeah. a hurry, and, you know, they're a no-huddle team as well, so it's going to be a – you know, it's going to be a pretty fast-paced game, I, I think. So, I, you know, it's, it's one that you look forward to. You know, somebody asked me, why don't more teams play Saturday night? Because I love the tradition here of that all-day uh, winter carnival. Winter carnival. <laughs> uh, homecoming. 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 Yep. And, and, uh, and they culminated with that big game at night. Uh, it it's, creates a tremendous atmosphere. It puts a, puts a hurt on the coaches, though, because right. <laughs> if you're going to be ready for Monday right. – to do all those things, normally you have Saturday scout and maybe Saturday for each of them to to break down their film and whatever. It creates a whole different set of issues. It's a, it's a quicker turnaround. Um, you know, our, we met we meet every Sunday as, as coaches, so you know we kind of do our film study Saturday night and Sunday morning, and then we meet in the afternoon on Sunday. So uh, you know, obviously we we had to get a lot of film in Sunday morning, a lot of us, uh, so that we were prepped up for the meeting Sunday night and, and for the kids physically. You know, it's a quick turnaround, too. Um, you know, we, we normally condition a little bit harder on Monday, uh, but where we played on Saturday, we'll, we'll kind of condition a little more on Tuesday and Wednesday this week. Um, you know, it, it impacts the lifting schedule a little bit. We'll probably go with one less lift this week because we played on Saturday instead of Friday. Uh, and normally Saturday is one of our lift days. So, um, you know, it changes a few things in, in that regards. Uh, but it's certainly, you know, doing it once a year and, uh, you know, playing that homecoming game, and, and I like scheduling a good opponent for that game, too, and pack this place in here, and, um, you know, there were a lot of coaches and kids from other schools uh, that were here, so it, it just makes for a nice atmosphere, but it is, it is a quick turnaround, and, you know, particularly this week with, with Cape, who gives you a lot of formations and, and a lot of tempo, and, and they're a 3-3 stack team, so, uh, you know, that's a little different than what we've seen all year, so, uh, you know, there's a few things to work on, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to do the best we can there. Now, I'm going to date myself by saying this, but when I coached uh, back along, especially at Skowhegan, it was 16-millimeter film. <laughs> and you, I, we had to take it to Dick McGee's house in Waterville. Right. Which, okay, that's uh, 20 minutes maybe, and that's not bad. The problem is you didn't get it back till Sunday morning. Right. If you played Saturday night, you're not, going to get, you're not getting it back I mean, for a all, week. Yeah. You're not going to get it for a week. Yep. So playing Saturday night was out of the question. Yep. Uh, and the fact that... Uh, the further away from the interstate, some some people took it the interstate uh, each interchanges, right. you know, like Gardner yep. and whatever. All the parking rides and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's right. And when you're in Bangor, you you had to do that's some moving around to get some stuff, making sure it gets done. So those things, at least, uh, your kids can have it. Yeah, it's a lot lot easier with the with the huddle system, and um, you know, I think our coaching fraternity is pretty good about you know helping each other out with films and, and things like that, and. Uh, you know, the other thing, I just talking about differences, we watched, um, we watched the 2013 and 14 games uh, this year, which were the last three games that we played against Wells. We watched them last week. And just the difference in the, the quality of the video and the camera, like it felt like you were watching it on the old, you know, 16 millimeter. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's the narrow screen or whatever. Now we got these HD cameras and everything's, 
you know, awesome. So, uh, you know, times have changed just even recently with, with some of that stuff. Well, Coach, good luck against Cape. And, Sounds good. Uh, look forward to talking to you next week. All right, thanks. Take care. If you are a coach, a booster, a PTA leader, Maine Athletic Fundraising is the choice to help you make money. Maine Athletic Fundraising works with both high school and youth programs of all ages to make you the most amount of money in the least amount of time. No risk, no minimums. Mark Smith and his staff will walk you through every step of their plan to help you meet your financial goals. Call them today, 207-468-1759, or check them out online, Maine Athletic Fundraising. I'm here with Elizabeth head football coach Chris Cates. Uh, coach, that's a good York team. Uh, it sure sounded, but everything I've re- read and seen, that it was a heck of a game. Yeah, they uh, they got some talented kids all over the field, and uh, you know, I mean, I we still feel like we kind of let one get away from us. I mean, we were up about 21-14 in the second half, and um, you know, I mean, we were offensively. I mean, we were we were scoring pretty regularly. Uh, just you know, again, they have great athletes all over the field, and we had a had a hard time getting some stops defensively, and you know a lot of that's credit to them. I mean, they, they do some do some very good things on the offensive side of the ball, but um, you know we still felt like there were some things that uh, you know maybe maybe a couple missed reads here and there, a couple missed tackles, and you know uh, they scored a defensive touchdown too. So I mean there was a couple things that you know we felt were were in our control that we didn't uh, we didn't take advantage of. Things that are correctable, you think? Absolutely. But, yeah. You know at this point in the season, though, you're kind of running that times to start yeah to you... correct that type of stuff and. Um, but, you know, I, I still feel that, uh, you know, I, I think we played better than we did the week before against Spruce. I mean, I think we're a team that's getting better every single week. And, you know, even though the, the scoreboard outcome wasn't the greatest, I, I do think we're getting better every single week. And, you know, that's all you can really ask for at this point in the season. Yeah, and it's kind of a measuring stick. I mean, they're a Class C school, you know, so you're playing up a, a classification uh, down there, right, on the road. It was, and yeah. That's a, that's a long trip. And, uh you know, I think there's a lot to be said for. It. I mean, there's no such thing as moral victories, at least for coaches, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, still, you know, I'm I'm going for a win. I don't I don't no. uh, I don't get too jacked up about the other stuff. You know, yeah. so it's it's uh, no. I mean, uh, good at- good atmosphere down there, though. Uh, you know, they have a good fan base, and uh, but uh, no, I mean, overall, I mean, it was it was business as usual for us. And you know, I don't think our kids got get too intimidated about playing on the road. You know, so no. it's. Uh, yeah, you know, actually, I think they enjoy it sometimes because you know we don't get to play a lot of Friday night games. You know, where we play Saturdays at home, so I think they yeah. get excited when we're on the road. Yeah. What what's what's different in a week? Um, when I started at Skowhegan, we had uh, we didn't have lights, so we played Saturday. Then we got lights, so the week is different. You know, you get one less day of practice. Uh, I was talking to Hathaway this morning. He was saying that when they play Friday night, he has his kids in Saturday, his varsity kids anyway, to lift and. And and then uh, the coaches have their stuff all ready to go on Monday. Now right. playing Saturday night, he says a little different because he said now the coaches are strapped for making sure everything's done. So when they start on on today, they uh, yesterday they're ready to go. Right. You know with their plan and everything else. So is there a difference for you that you see when you you said last time you really enjoy having the extra day of practice? Well, absolutely. I mean, because I think that gives you a little more flexibility with your uh, with your Monday. Really, I mean, because you, you can. Uh, you can do some weight room stuff. I mean, you can ha- make it more of a conditioning day. You know, we watch some film and stuff on Monday too. So I mean, it's you know, with a longer week, you you get some options there. Um, you know, but I also think with with a, a, the Friday practice, you have uh, during the long week. I mean, you can wrap up a lot of loose ends there. Um, you know, do some walkthrough type stuff if you need if need be, and um, you don't have that luxury when you ha- when you have the shorter week. So it uh, you know definitely condenses everything you do. But we 
you know, we still try and fit everything into the short window, even when we have the long week. And, you know, that way we, we can kind of loop back around if, if we have stuff that we need to clean up. Now, Camden this week, um, one of the things that's always tough in this kind of a week is, you know, I mean, honestly, you know, they're a, they're a struggling program. They, they're feeling, still feeling new to football. And, uh, and yet, you know, you need your kids to be sharp and ready to go. Um, any particular, like, short-term goals that you make for your team to, for a game like that? To get it started, I, I, th- I think we, I think you know, for us, we, you know, I think we need to establish the run. You know, I think we need to get get more stops defensively. I mean, I mean you know, tough to part playing playing a team that's uh, you know isn't eligible for the playoffs, and you know, no matter how many wins they had, is you know they've got nothing to lose, right? So you're gonna get you're gonna get their best effort, you know, every time they go out in the field, and uh, you know they have some tough kids, and they have some good athletes too, just like anybody else. So it's not like uh, you know they've lost they've lost a couple games, but it's not uh, it's. You know, they had every chance to win last week against um, Lake Region. So, I mean, it's, you know, they've got two wins and they, they could each as easily be three and three just like we are. So, it's not sure. like, you know, it's not like their season's been a lost cause by any means. I mean, they've uh, they played well against some, some teams. And, um, you know, and like with any of the young program, you know, they've had their ups and downs. But, you know, I think they're kind of moving things in the right direction. And, um, but you know, for us, uh, you know, I think if we can if we can establish the run, you know, you know, maybe get our you know our passing game a little more involved, um, you know, and then defensively, you know, you know, you know, get some get some more stops, and you know, you know, stop giving up so many points, and it's uh, um, you know, see, we've played a lot of explosive offenses the past three weeks, so it's you know, physically can't stop anybody at this point in time. But you know, going back to Camden, you know, they they're very athletic in every other sport, so there's no no reason to expect that at mm-hmm. some point. They are going to turn the corner as long as the feeder system's coming, and, and have some pretty good football teams. Well, I think that's the biggest part is you know it's a big soccer town, but just getting the town excited about playing. And you know they've they played some Friday night games, but you know by bringing some lights in, and you know I think I think that's half the battle is getting the younger kids ex- excited about you know potentially playing uh, for Camden football. And you know and we've seen that with some other schools around. I mean. Um, you know, Darigo before before the past couple of years. I mean, they came they came back into existence and they built you know a real solid contender sure. over there. And um, you know, Cape Elizabeth. I mean, they were starting up when I was in high school. And you know, look at them now. I mean, they're you know perennial contender too. So it's um, you know, if you get the right the right backing at the youth levels and you know with the, you know a quality coaching staff. I mean, it's it's not unprecedented to, to sure. build a build a program yeah. in a soccer school yeah. and you know keep it going. Well, coach. Thanks. Good luck this week. I'll see you next week. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. I, I told you, by the way, that I mentioned it to Stason that I'm here with Poland head football coach Spencer Emerson. Uh, coach, you know, when we talked last week, I think you, you had said that, and I think we agreed, Freiburg, very good defensively. Uh, did they show you any things you were surprised at or just had no, some good personnel? No, or? I think that's some good personnel, and I think they came downhill hard. You know, we, we were without our tailback, Joe Ringette. Um, he, he was in concussion from the Levy game. Um, so, you know, we played a sophomore tailback, and then he ended up getting banged up. So we couldn't establish the run, and against a team like that, if you can't run the ball, you're sure as heck not going to be able to pass it because they're, they're very stout defensively. So, you know, they played a, they played a mixture of, you know, 3-4 and 5-2. Um, they come up and whack you. Um, and the Southwick kid is a free safety and a cor- uh, quarterback, and he's, well, he's, he's talented. Yeah. He's real talented, and you know he's playing for a program that played for a gold ball last year, and they know how to win. Um, but you know, I think you know, I mean, got down um, early, a couple couple busted plays on third and long. Um, but overall, you know, pleased with our effort. We're playing a lot of young guys out there. I mean, we at one point we had three freshmen on the field, and they and they, you know, when you look at the tape, they didn't they didn't play badly. I mean, they played up to their ability, which might not be level of varsity yet.
However, so they played well. So, you know, we're just taking it is what it is. We're, we're, we're a small roster that, that's banged up in a tough schedule, and we're just going to keep competing. Well, you know, the thing is, I mean, again, it's the way it is, and nothing you can do about it, but of all the years with a young team to be moved up to Class C, <laughs> right. you know, you're kind of just over the edge of that. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, any time, I, I think I told you this before, off the off the interviews, uh, when I was at Oak Hill as the principal, we, geez, we were always just over the line into Class B. And right. And we really shouldn't have been there. Right, and right, right. That stuff. Yeah. Um, so you've got Freeport this week, yeah. and and uh, now, is that a turf field? It's a turf field. It's turf like field. at there. It's a six o'clock kickoff tomorrow. Oh, that's um, an early yeah, one. On, yeah, uh, on a turf field. It's uh, luckily you know it's going to dry up out here after this rainstorm. But I think I think it's going to be one of those games where um, it's going to be a lot of speed on the field. It'll be a lot of speed on the field, and sure. I think there won't be a single DB receiver that uh, has any ounce of ounce yeah. of effort left at the end of this one. So sure. it'll be one of those games, as opposed to you know a couple games you played earlier this year where it's, you know, in between the tackles, I think this game's going to be won by who can make the most plays in the perimeter. Sure. What, uh, now, how, how long have they had that turf field? Fairly new. I mean, I, I've only been in the league for, for two years. I know it's fairly new because I remember shopping in Freeport and seeing the construction um, sure. a couple years ago. So yeah. it's a fairly new complex. It's beautiful, you know. It's right on right, right yeah, the high Yeah, I've seen the pictures of it from yeah. above. It's yeah. gorgeous. But I remember doing a game with Cody Provost for uh, CME out of Brunswick, and it was... We were at the edge of the end zone. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't any other place to go. Right. Really. It was the old field. Yeah. <laughs> they hadn't really adapted to football yet. Right. And, uh, so it's nice. No, they did that. a good job over there. You know, they're they're four and one. Last year they were seven and one. Um, only lost being to us, which was which was ironic. But uh, we, you know, it's one of those teams where they they learned how to win. We're still figuring out how to do that. Um, and you know, it'll be one of those games that, you know, show up and compete. Um, we're banged sure. up, but we got to play with the guys we have. But I'm excited to get you know for another opportunity. Now, Coach Sterling, you're looking in on us. Coach, you got anything uh, you'd like to say? I know that uh, Coach Coach, em Coach Emerson played for you. Uh, <laughs> what position did he play? He played uh, slot receiver for us. Oh, yeah, it was a defensive back. All right. <laughs> and he loves the new locker room. I was going to say, I just told him where my locker was over here, Coach. He was just saying it. I just said I was on locker room. He was right in the corner back when they were on this side. I was in the entryway <laughs> now. I was telling the Avery Jackson story. Oh, jeez. Like, flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, "There's no, uh, there's no, not even a door handle on the coaching office. <laughs> Guess you can't keep anything too valuable." In there. High budget, <laughs> high budget. Around. Yeah, really. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, that's good stuff. So uh, I know EL is really banged up. How about you guys? You well, come yeah, out of it. We're banged uh, up. You know, we're three starters right now are on the men. Two are in concussion protocol. One's one's taking care of his, um, you know, one of his ligaments and. We're just at, the, at that point in the season. I think it's statewide. I mean, you know, the team, the teams with great numbers are, are yeah. the next man up. Yeah. Um, us at the, at the C level um, and really D level in terms yeah. of roster size, we're at the we're at the point where, you know, two guys go down and all of a sudden we're starting two guys that never played varsity football before. Now, I can't tell you that, um, you know, we're not prepared, but I can tell you that there's a couple guys that don't know what we're gonna get from them yet. And I'm excited, you know. Hey, you know, some of those situations they go one of two ways, right? Man, that kid's not ready yet, or wow, that kid can really play when the lights came on. So, you know, we're gonna find out a lot about some of our guys this week. We're gonna find out a lot about some of our leadership this week, and, and seeing how we respond to playing a couple men down. The old coaches used to say, yeah, for every sophomore you start because the freshman didn't play yeah. back then, you're gonna lose a game. You know? So, <laughs> yeah. times have changed. Golly, but, I mean, <laughs> now, you know, you're looking at the at the board up here for EL, and they've got five guys in the concussion right. protocol. Right. Um, are we more cautious now? Uh, it just seems like we're seeing a lot of it. Are guys still, no matter what we say, still using the helmet? What's yeah, the, I think. What's your sense for that? Um, well, I guess I look at it. I look at it by from two lenses. 
The first lens I look at it through is, is a safe and sorry. You'd rather be safe than sorry when it comes to, 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 to somebody's brain, somebody's body, and the long-term effects of, of contact. I think we, for a long time, were putting kids back on the field too soon, and now a kid probably maybe could play, but it's one of those things where why risk it um, at some point in the game? No one's winning a Super Bowl here. No one's winning a you know national championship. Now, if it's a state game and it's a senior, is ever going to play again, and they, Coach, I want to play? I don't know. I leave that up to the trainer. But in terms of you know week to week, um, no game is worth anybody's yeah. health. Um, and then the second lens I look at it from is, is I think right now we're, we're in a situation where I think players, parents, coaches, fans, I think everybody understands football in some areas, especially in Maine, is struggling numbers-wise. And I think promoting safety and, and letting these parents know that, hey, we're going to do our, everything we can to keep your kids safe is going to increase numbers and increase parent you know, involvement and stuff like that. So I think the first lens is, is purely from a why risk it, and the second lens is we want to assure that all these parents feel comfortable leaving their kid in our hands. Yeah. I like the adapting the rules, like the, the, the going back on somebody when they're chasing somebody and they don't see you and you... Yeah. You turn back and just really jack That's how Ricky got concussed. Yeah, tough. and yeah. I, I mean, it's a penalty, and, right. I, and I like that. And I like, uh, you know, the no chop block downfield. You know, yeah. that's a knee injury what yeah. can happen. And, you know, I, I think, again, uh, some of the old timers saying, well, it's a sissification. I don't look at it that way. I look at, we, we need to be taking care of our kids. And uh, I would, I would want to be treated that way as an athlete. I know when I was at Maine, if... If somebody got dinged on a Saturday, mm -hmm. and they were, I mean, we didn't have the the uh, the baseline that you got protocol back test, yeah, yeah, beforehand. Mm -hmm. It was you know just right. some sense for from the trainer and whatever, mm -hmm. but you automatically out eight days. Right, you, you couldn't play the next week, right. no matter what. Right, and uh, I think they always stuck with that at Maine. Yeah, I, I think I respect I, that. When I was up there as a student assistant, I remember just the the concussion management part was tough, and it's funny because. You know, people see big hits and they get excited, but, you know, if you're, let's say, it's spring ball, I remember when Cosgrove was up there and a guy, a DEB, had a huge hit on, on a receiver. If he had led with his head, I mean, he was getting he was getting disciplined. I mean, we're talking about extra sprint, stuff like even that. Even in spring practice. Um, sure. Even in spring practice because, one, it's your teammate, and two, if you don't teach it the right way, you can't get mad at a kid for doing it in a game. Yeah. Um, we always talk about see what you hit. Don't put your head down, you know what I mean? See what you hit. And also, get, I always, I'm a big proponent of taking your head out of the collision. Sure. I think for a while we were taught that the crown of the helmet's a weapon, and back then that was good technique. It was probably pretty effective, but again, at the risk of somebody's health, now we want to get our heads out of the collision, and the helmet is, is, is a place to protect the noggin, not to use to, to strike someone. You know, I like the uh, when when uh, Buddy Tevens is at Dartmouth, and yeah. he's developed some of the uh, his tech people. Yeah, you draw that the movable the movable dummies that yep. you're going to tackle and whatever, and and the uh, I know Hathaway uses the weighted donut. And, yeah. You know, yeah, we use a tackling things, ring. That's what we yeah, use. Yeah, some things there that I, I think because you got to tackle. Absolutely, you can't just form tackle forever. Right. At some point in time, you got to tackle. Strike something to the ground. But but you, yeah, but you got to you got to teach them and you got to learn how to do it properly. Yeah, actually, what my defensive coordinator Bob Chasen and I actually set up a practice of tackle circuit. So we'll have one where we tackle the moving target, the tackling ring, where we bring it to the ground. We'll start in phase with a dummy and bring a dummy to the ground, and then we'll do a tackling drill to our ourselves to the fit. Now, if I had bigger numbers, if my team was 65 guys instead of 35, I'd probably um, have some lot more live periods. But I'm a quarterback and a left tackle going down from going, oh, my God, how are we going to field this varsity roster? You know, it just is what it is right now um, with the way things shake up. So 
you know, the, the way I look at it is you got to utilize your practice time as much as you can. Um, but again, those weighted dummies, the tackling rings, stuff like that, the, the, the S sleds, the popsicle sleds that you can bring to the ground, I think you got you got to do that because if you keep whacking each other, eventually it's a matter of time. Oh, no question. <laughs> and, yeah. I used to say I tried very, very little to scrimmage right. because every injury is yours. Right. You know, there's no getting away from that. Right. So. And I think in preseason, you know, you have that first contact day where everybody's hooting and hollering on that, you know, for us it was that Saturday morning. But... And then, you know, once you, I mean, you kind of find out pretty quickly who can play for you and who can't and, you know, who's been showing up to the weight room and who's been at summer workouts and stuff like that. So I don't think there's as much of an evaluation process anymore, right. which I think back in the day, if you didn't see your guys all year, it was, all right, let's find out who can hit. Yeah. I think we know who can tackle and we know who can't. Now, the guys that can't need the work, um, but not at the expense of everybody's health on the team. Although I had said to somebody else, might have been Hathaway, I remember having a team in Skowhegan that I didn't think we were potentially not very physical. Right. And so you try to make them physical. Right. You know what? It doesn't always work yeah. because what you do is get guys hurt. But that's what it is. And it's and been that. My biggest thing too is like, all right, so you have to match it up size wise, skill wise. You don't want a senior whacking a freshman. No. I remember some of my worst memories was playing scout team as a sophomore, playing against you know guys half my size, and it's live during scout. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I just remember that, and I want to create an environment where um, the young guys are tackling in their JV games and with people like size of them because we don't want to get anybody hurt. Um, you know, at practice. And God forbid it being a key player, let alone, but also being a, a kid who we need in our future. You know what I mean? Sure. We want to make football an enjoyable experience and maintain our numbers and sustain yeah. our numbers. So oh, That's right. Yeah. Well, Coach, good luck this week. Thank and uh, I'll wait to see the score, and I'll see you next week. Sounds good. All right. Take Thanks care. Sir. I'm here with Edward Little, head football coach, Dave Sterling. Coach, uh, I didn't see the game. Uh, I was in Lewiston. Mm -hmm. um, that's too bad. Yeah. Um, I do understand in listening, I had to come over and pick up equipment from Jeff Mannix I, on the way over. He said that uh, maybe uh, one of your quarterbacks got hurt, and I, I couldn't quite understand exactly what was up because I didn't listen to the, the whole game. But uh, We had nine guys injured. That's that what, starters. Well, he kind of hinted that there were some guys that were yep. out. Yep. Wow. So we we, we uh, yeah, endured a lot, and we had some guys step up in some positions. We've had uh, some work to do with them this week, and really they're – they're turning the corner and they're becoming better athletes and better football players. I've always felt that's one of the biggest challenges for coaches. Number one is what to do with injuries and then how to find kids who can play in a position other than what they maybe thought they were going to and make it work and put them in a position where they can be successful. That's exactly it. That's part of why we coach. Yeah. You know, just get them, get them ready for the next game. So does it look like some of them will be back? Not really, no. No. We've uh, we've got some serious injuries that are going to have to take a few weeks to wow. recover, so we're going to have to get through that and move forward with the people we have. Yeah. Uh, anybody in particular in that game uh, that you thought stood out that uh, you'd want to make to mention? Uh, we played very well defensively in the first half. Our defensive backfield, uh, Devontae Scott played really well, tackled well from the corner position. Um, you know, linebacker. Uh, Cam Irish transitioned from being a defensive end to a linebacker, did really well. Uh, two DNs, uh, Matt Mativier and uh, Isaiah Lewis didn't do too bad. But uh, we've got, you know, we've got serious, you know, good, young, hard-working men in our junior and sophomore class that are eager and that are going to get their show up. Uh, now, Mount Blue this week yes, is up there. Yep, it's a nice facility. I was going to say, have you been there? No, I haven't. Yeah, uh, it, it is a nice when I coached in Skowhegan, I'll tell you what, those games were... Oh, yeah. Ray Caldwell was the coach when I was at Skowhegan, a legend. And uh, yep. every game was 
I will tell you when we're done, one time that was a little, a little shaky. But <laughs> Talk about it off air. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, we had, well, we, we've had some memorable moments with Mount Blue and Scout Egan sure. in the past, back in the early days with yeah. Coach Merrill and some of the, the experiences we've had. What, what do you expect from them? What are they running offensively? Um, they run a lot of spread offense. They have a very good running back, number 27. Their quarterback, number 7, throws the ball extremely well. Uh, they like to spread the field. They like to uh, run the quarterback. They like to uh, get the ball out to the edges on screen passes as well as vertically down the field. They, they run a very good system. Uh, how about defensively? Uh, defensively, they run a four-four uh, cover three, and they're, you know, their guys have been probably playing in their system for quite a while, and they execute it extremely well. They have some uh, some offensive tackles that play defensively as well, and they're very good-sized young men, and they've obviously got themselves in very good condition. They've got two good defensive ends that show excellent speed off the corner, and you know, will give us some some things to work on this week. You know, they've always said very good size and good skill position people. Yes, sir. Yep. Without a doubt. Yep. I, I, when I coached the Lobster Bowl about uh, six years ago, the, our starting quarterback was from Mount Blue, and he did extremely well. He was yeah. ran spread offense back then. Yeah. Well, Coach, good luck. Thank you, Coach. I, uh, I've got, I don't have a game Friday night. I've got Oak Hill on Saturday. So mm-hmm. hope things go well. Yeah. Take care. We'll get See you next week. Thank you. I'm here with Jason Doucette, the head football coach at Oak Hill High School. Uh, coach, uh, the number one team from Northern D, uh, and I think it's a it's a it's a a standing that's well earned. Yeah, I think so. Um, they got a great coaching staff there that have been together for a while. <coughs> I think that they're very physical. Those kids have a, they kind of made a a bond in the weight room, and it's uh, translated to the to the football field. And they have some good younger athletes to kind of fill in the roles that they need. And uh, they're just an old-school, tough-notch football team that uh, shows up and plays football. I told you before we started that I saw the big, uh, one of their really big, tough tackles. He, I was sitting with Bob Sinclair, and he taught, taught them. He said, boy, it was a really physical game. And he said, you know, we just haven't played anybody uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, well, I thought we did a good job. I thought our offensive line, defensive line played inspired. Uh, I was very happy with their effort. Um, we're hoping to play that way up front every week from here on out and uh, just get better and better. Any any kids in particular that you, you thought uh, really showed up? Uh, I, I thought, no, I just thought as a group, the offensive and defensive lines played well. Um, I thought Gavin ran the ball very well. And... Uh, Defensively, we just we we try not to bend. We just try not to break. We just bend, and uh, the kids bought into the concept, and it worked really good for three and a half quarters. But um, it is what it is, and we're just going to try to find that last half fourth quarter. Coach, uh, you know you play Saturday games at home, yeah. and on the road you play some Saturdays, but you play some Fridays. What what does that make in the difference of your practice week? Uh, Having a Friday game versus a Saturday game, what what the, what does it do for your practice? I think on a, a Saturday game, you get an extra day to go over things, make sure there's no confusion. Um, it's a l- extra week, extra day. It's an extra day for some conditioning. Uh, I just I just think that we most schools see playing on Saturday as a burden. I don't. I think it's an advantage for us because most schools don't play Saturday games. And when they come to us, they don't know what to do with the extra day. Uh, we're we're used to the routine. Um, it's a little tougher for us Fridays because we try to pack everything into one less day. Uh, 
and the light situation, seeing footballs in the air does make a difference. Uh, we got to do a little better job of trying to uh, <clears throat> find light time, especially come playoffs, if we, if we, if we happen to have to go down that road. Um, but it, it is a bit, it is different. The preparation is different. You can spend more time on a Saturday game going over things. Um, it's rough drafts, and then the final draft just comes naturally on a Saturday, on a Friday game. Uh, you don't have as many time to go over rough drafts, so to speak. You gotta, you gotta clean it up quicker. Yeah. So. Yeah, I thought that there was an advantage for the people who played Saturdays because, first of all, the other kids weren't as excited to play on Saturday as they had on Friday night. There's any question about that. Originally, I really liked the Friday routine when we put in lights in Skowhegan because I, I, we worked the stuffing out of them during the week. It was short, it was intense, and then we played Friday night. And then if we played at home, we, we had something, we had a, uh, a short workout on, on Saturday. We had, like, the youth kids up, and we had cider, and our kids, everybody was supposed to be there, and they helped the kids in their positions and whatever. Um, if we played away, not so much, because they were like getting home or whatever. And I didn't like giving them a little more time with their family over the weekend. How many kids took advantage of that? It's another whole story, of course. Uh, so Spruce Mountain this week, uh, yeah. they uh, they got a pretty good football team. Uh, I think they're considered, you know, like you guys, potentially one of the teams to beat. Yeah, I think they uh, they have some team speed and positions. It's um, pretty obvious. Um, their slots are very fast, very athletic, very dangerous. A quarterback is a very, very physical player, good athlete. Um, he can beat you. He's a dual threat. Um, defensively, they uh, they are gang tackle, fly the ball team. Um, so we're expecting them to be a, a very to be a very tough physical game. Now AJ and I will be here to call that game. We're good. on NBR. That'll be pretty interesting, and uh, I look forward to it. Good, perfect, thanks. All right, thanks, Coach. See you next week. Yep. I'm here with Lewiston head football coach Darren Hartley. Coach, uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the officials, but I, I did the game Friday night, and uh, we had replay. I don't know if you've seen the MBR. <laughs> no, I and, haven't. And I'm looking at it thinking, I understand. I didn't find out what it was. All I know was they ran a play. It was a fumble. Lewiston clearly recovered it. And then there's a conference, and they're picking the ball back and starting over, and I'm going, wait, wait, we're just kidding? So, you know, I know there were a couple of choices on inadvertent whistle, but the interesting thing is uh, my camera guy said we've got a replay. So I looked at it, and I go, how can there be a whistle? He's still churning his legs, and the ball's out. And we, I re-ran it back for the people watching the broadcast about six times, and it's like, I'm sorry, folks. I, I don't understand. There's no forward progress stopped. And the ball is clearly out. There isn't any question. Now, does that make a difference in the whole game? Well, you hope it isn't that fragile. But by the same token, you don't need that stuff to go against you, especially when the next play is an 80-yard touchdown. I mean, that you just put those two together, and it stinks as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I, nobody planned it that way, but it just doesn't sit right. And I don't care what the team is. You better be damn resilient to be able to come back from that because it's two kicks in the teeth on two successive plays. Uh, absolutely, and uh, again, we, we don't really want to go there with officiating, obviously, but we feel like we've had our fair share of calls that have 
kind of been suspect at best. Uh, we have forwarded film along to Mr. Gilbert. Uh, he's been very good about responding and receiving our film. Um, and again, I, I think that great teams make their own plays and make their, their breaks, but one of the things that I, I have talked about before two officials is great teams don't need any other help. Yeah. They, they take care of themselves, and our kids are playing hard. You know, yeah. our kids are playing hard. I'd like to think our kids are well coached, but good gracious, we feel on probably a half a dozen occasions in six games, we don't even know what they've looked at. And, yeah. we, I mean, it's really been a, a contentious conversation with many coaches in the coaching circle. I've yeah. received a ton of text messages and emails because we swap film yeah. to break film down. And I've had guys ask me, and I've asked guys, in fact, you know, ancillary comment here, we called Oxford Hills last Sunday when we were in our staff meeting saying, play 35 versus BE. What the heck are they saying? And he said, it's already been sent to Doug. Because we've seen some calls. It seems like the officials... Are inexperienced. We see. We, well, we feel like we've some. We've seen all a lot said of that. that they've been. Some of our veterans have have retired, and it. it I think it's harder to get people to officiate today. Uh, but you know, it used to be because I know Bruce really well, as you know, who used to be here before you, and he used to say, "Ah, the official," and I used to say, "Ah, you know, happens to everybody, Bruce." You know, but I've done a lot of E.L. Lewiston games this year, and it's like, whoa. You know, I I hate to say it, but it's almost like sometimes I swear a young coach getting his in mind that, well, that team's really good. Absolutely. So it must have been on the other team, Absolutely. You know, that kind of thing. And, and, and again, we, we're not harping no, on it, and we're not. We go to the next play, but there have definitely been some plays that they were just, those calls were sure. wrong. That's yep. the, And the guys know that. I know they've seen the film, sure. and they know that those guys made a mistake. And hopefully they correct them every week. They get a little bit better. Coach, did they uh, – in from about the midway in the second period on, they their defense really shut your offense down. Anything different that they did, or were you worn down a little bit? No. I mean, it's all we always can talk about penalties and mistakes. Those those always will be there for high school kids. Well, we we definitely made a couple of mistakes. We had a couple of penalties in that juncture of the game, but again, we 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 call it. Um, and I hate to use military terms, and I mean that, but we call it, there's a piece of what we, we, we see is called battle fatigue. And what happens, and it's happened to us all year, it's a crucial moment in the game, and of course we can't tell until we get to the film room on Friday night after the game, but we actually did not fundamentally take care of our scheme on a couple of consecutive plays mm-hmm. in that juncture and our guys, when we review film with them on the following week, they just say, Coach, I have no idea what I was doing. And so we kind of think it's kind of a lack of focus and fatigue. The game is on you right now. There's some adversity. They've definitely sped up their game. Mm-hmm. And when we need to play most, and this has been so far, every single week, mm-hmm. we have failed at a fundamental up front or a scheme. Sure. And it's a simple, simple scheme. In fact, our point of emphasis Monday with our kids, that scoreboard was indicative of a team that was better than we were physically for sure. But we found about a dozen coachable things on the film. And as opposed to going completely crazy and being so down, we were able to spend a little extra time Monday on the film and say, guys, maybe we're not as good as them. But 
let me show you how correctable some of this yeah, was. And how close it could have been. And yeah. so the kids were very receptive. We've, we've had a good week of practice, and we're thin again. we got four or five guys out this week. It's going to be a challenge for us, especially to go to Scarborough, who's yeah. outstanding. Yeah. Uh, but the, the kids have responded. I'm really proud of them. They've had yeah. a great week of prep, and we're going to see what happens tomorrow night. But, you know, and it's not just your team or even a high school team. I went to Maine Saturday. I don't know if you were there. I was there. Look to me when uh, Richmond was in. They had trips to one side, and they ran a man in motion to make four receivers. Maine, I think, was in a zone. That's what it looked like to me. In the in the corner, I'm sure he felt he had help behind him. Absolutely. And the guy didn't come over. Wasn't anybody there? Big touchdown. But you don't, you know, you don't know that at the time. I didn't know it at the time until after I spoke to my son. They had four or five guys out. Oh yeah. On both sides of the ball. Well, Edwards and, was out, and uh, Ferguson. And yeah, they that's had the middle, two. another second linebacker who replaced yeah. the number one yeah. guy was gone. Yeah. And the big piece of that day, game, coach. In fact, we joked about it uh, this morning at my office. Last year, Maine got all the breaks. Cool. Every They led the turnover ratio really by well, like yeah. a two-to-one margin. Do you see the comments in the paper from the coach from Richmond? He said two weeks in a row, no turnovers. He goes two weeks in a row, two, two CAA victories. Mm-hmm. And Richmond never had a penalty on them Saturday. No turnovers, no penalties. How's that for you? Wow, and I that's didn't... a difference maker oh, in the yeah. game. Oh, huge in every level. I didn't realize And we're harping penalty. on that. No penalties and no turnovers. Oh, that'll do it. And so we're harping on that on True. our kids all yeah. the time. But again, I go back to that premise of battle fatigue. Yeah. Our guys are trying, but from the huddle to the line of scrimmage sometimes, we have absolutely lost focus. Sure. And when one guy goes the wrong way, it's all over after that. The uh, It seems to me, I, I think I did the Scarborough game here last year, and, you know, that game was close until Flaker got Jared Flaker got loose and ran a pump back or something like that. So it'll be a tough game, but I, I think, you know, I, I think you've had really good spells of playing really well. Yeah, we have. And and our kid, and like I said, our kids, they have to believe and they got to be able to push themselves a little bit beyond the comfort zone. And, and you know, at times they just haven't been able to do that. It, it's hard. It's hard to overcome that obstacle of losing and you know, playing teams that are just physically a little bit better, and it's tough to stay up, and we're fighting it, and we keep pushing on it. And like I said, it's been a really good week of practice, sure. and I'm proud of our guys, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, Coach, good luck. Thank you, Dave. And I will talk to you next week. All right, thank you. Our goal at Maine Athletic Fundraising is to raise you the most amount of money in the shortest period of time, hassle-free. To learn more, visit them online at maineaf.com. Our goal at Maine Athletic Fundraising is to raise you the most amount of money in the shortest period of time, hassle-free. To learn more, visit them online at mainaf.com. A big Class A matchup. Oxford Hills at Thornton Academy Saturday with a 1.30 p.m. kick with the head coach of the Oxford Hills Vikings, Mark Soren. And, Coach, a nail-biter last week, a battle against Gorham. You guys prevailed 9-6. to six. What does that say about your defense and their ability to, uh, to shut down the Rams despite maybe some turnover issues on the other side of the ball? Well, we I mean, we believe in our defense. We're a defensive-oriented team. We've always have been, um, and they've done a great job. We've known that our front seven um, is pretty good, um, you know, and we we have a young defensive secondary that uh, had some growing up to do versus Stanford and Bonnie Eagle and made some mistakes against their good athletes and was a struggle, and they've gotten a lot better and improved every week. And this past week, um, you know, we 
the kids the, the kids defended the pass pretty well, and you know, other than one drive, really did a good job. Uh, and even that drive was fine. They did get the fourth and goal, and they had a nice play call against us and got in the end zone. So we, you know, we feel pretty good about our defense. Atticus Soren completed 14 of 21 passes for 251 yards against Gore. You're apparently you're not afraid to let him, even though it's his first year starting, air the ball out when needed. I mean, what is, what, how, what do you see from his development just over the course of this season alone? Yeah, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a bit of a surprise, honestly. He was the next quarterback coming after Colton, and, you know, honestly, we just didn't really know where we were at with him as far as throwing the ball goes. You know, he's a smart kid and a pretty good decision maker. So when we started, you know, working with him, and even last year when we would run, when he'd run scout team, we realized he's a pretty accurate thrower. And so I will say that this past, well, even starting with Colton, started to develop more of a pass game. Um, and we knew we weren't going to have a run game with Atticus like we did with Colton as far as the quarterback running the ball. But we knew Colby was going to be a very good running back for us, and we knew we had a pretty strong um, offensive line. So, you know, that sort of has developed as, as time has gone on. He's he's at a 100-yard game every every time. And so when they went man against us, and we've got good receivers. That's the other thing was, you know, it's not just Colby. We've got you know, a bunch of good weapons out there that we can use, and we thought, you know, it's no sense in, in having those guys sit there and not have the ball. So it, it's as much as getting them the ball as it is having Atticus throw. And so last week he just made some really nice throws um, against that man coverage. And the truth is they couldn't, they really couldn't match up with us. We just turned the ball over four times. You can't – you know, we're lucky to win the game after turning the ball over four times. So – you know, it's been nice. It's nice that we now know that we can use Atticus in that capacity and, and have him throw and feel confident um, using that part of the game plan. Yeah, one of those weapons you mentioned is Addison Brown. Seven catches, 106 yards against Gorham. Addison Brown, where did this guy come from? He, I don't think I remember him doing a whole lot last year, but this year he's having a monster season as, as, as Soren's main target there on offense. Uh, I mean, his growth has just been incredible as well, hasn't it? Yeah, you know, last year when we were, you know, looking at that team and we just had a lot of talented seniors and, you know, it was a coach's conversation. I remember thinking that Ty LeBlanc and Addison Brown would probably start on, on a lot of teams in the state of Maine. Um, and then they were just backups for us. And so, you know, coming up, we knew those guys could throw, could catch. You know, and Addison just has phenomenal hands. He's just made some incredible catches. and He's a great route runner and he's athletic and he's tall. So, you know, he's, I mean, he, I know, I totally understand he's coming out of nowhere um, as far as the league goes, but for us, we knew he would be a strong weapon coming up. Certainly. And then, obviously, you know, Thornton Academy, um, they're once again rolling this year, it seems like. Uh, they've maybe been not quite as dominant, but they're still 6-0. What can you tell me about what you know about Thornton and what they're bringing to the table once again this season? Well, again, they're, you know, they've, they've sort of reloaded again. Um, you know, they they lost some talented kids, but they have talented kids coming back and some returning starters. Um, they, you know, they expect to win every game. You know, they clearly are well coached. They clearly execute at a very high level. You know, they've been down in two tough games and come back, uh, three actually, come back in the third and fourth quarters to win. Um, they just, you know, as a group, you when you're in a winning program and winning culture, you understand the effort it takes to win. And to do it for four quarters, and that's what you know we're trying to learn over here. And 
you know, that's been our, our talk all week is that that team is going to expect to win and they're going to expect to beat you and they're going to play all four quarters for it. Um, and we need to be prepared for that. We need to be prepared for that effort level from, from them and for us. And then Saturday afternoon game versus Friday night, what's your opinion on that in terms of how you prepare and everything? Um, I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I mean, we certainly enjoy the Friday night lights. I mean, that's high school football. Yeah. And having an extra day to prepare and having an extra day to do, you know, work a little bit more on things that you you aren't able to get in, in shorter weeks is kind of nice. You know, it also, also helps your team to heal up a little bit when you get bumps and bruises. Um, and so, you know, it's just, it's, I think the hardest part is actually just waiting during the day. You know, it's, it's not a yeah. huge, huge issue otherwise, but it's, it's waiting during that Saturday to get ready to get going. But, um, you know, it's kind of nice to have a, an extra day each week to get ready. Circling back to the Oxford Hills offense, you touched on Colby Van Decker. You knew he'd be the running back entering this year, but he's had to buy his time, right? He's a senior now, but he's had to play behind, you know, some really talented runners in the past few years, and now he's finally getting his chance, and the games I've seen, he's really made the most of it. What are your thoughts on, you know, Ryland's younger brother making a name for himself here as a senior? Yeah, he sure is. You know, we, we, um, he's, he's just an incredibly strong kid and tough, and he's quiet. And he just does what you ask him to do. He's a great teammate. Um, and he, he has he has by his time. You know, last year he was behind Emerson Brown and, and Parker LaFrance, and they were two excellent backs. And so he would get some, some work here and there. You know, he had an injury even his sophomore year with a foot injury later in the year. And so he's put in his time, um, and he's been incredibly dedicated in the offseason. And you can tell, you know, he's tough to bring down. He's just a tough running kid. and. He's not unlike Ryland. Um, you know, Ryland was also that sort of tough running back kid. Um, you know, Colby, we worked with him a little bit to cut more open spaces. He likes to run into things. So we're like, let's, let's run around some things here. And he's done a, a great job of getting better at that as well. Defensively, who are – I mean, you had to replace guys like, you know, Alex Turner was a, a shutdown corner for you. But so you had to replace a few guys, but uh, there is a lot of experience there on defense. Who are – who are some players who have really stood out, players uh, you know, fans should watch on Saturday uh, to have a big impact against Thornton in terms of shutting down their explosive offense? You know, I mean, I don't know if there's any one. It's, you, know, you look across the board, we've got a couple junior interior linemen, Marcus uh, Stone and uh-huh. uh, Dylan Rawlings, who have just been phenomenal for us. And um, we've got about four linebackers for three spots that we – rotate in and out, um, you know, with Kay Truman and Isaiah Ophira, who's a sophomore, and two other, David Dingley and Cole Dunham, who are both senior linebackers. You know, they, uh-huh. you know they, they've got to make a bunch of tackles for us this week. That's going to be really important to stop them. They just, you know, Thornton, you know, they, they, it's not a super complex offense, but they run it really well, and, and they have a strong run game, so we've got to be prepared for that. Um, and then they've got athletes out wide, so... You know, our defensive backs, like I said, there's not a senior amongst them. Um, they, you know, they just got to make sure they know their jobs and know what they're doing. So, you know, we we our our front seven definitely our strong point, but that young group of DBs has really come along. Certainly, and then obviously one of the storylines in high school football in general this year is the realignment, and now it's just Class A. There's no sort, there's no North, there's no South. You know, um, a little bit more, I guess, than halfway through the season right now. What are your thoughts on how that realignment has played out? Well, I mean, 
I mean, I think that I can speak for all the Class A coaches saying, like, we think it's ridiculous that there's only eight. You know, I don't think any of us have any problems playing each other. You know, I don't I, – we can't wait for the game Saturday. We love playing Bonnie Eagle this year. We play in Sanford in the past, and they've, they've always had our number. We, you know, it's a great challenge for us. We enjoy those pieces. Um, but, you know, an 18 class is, is too small for Maine. That we have plenty of teams – that are big enough to compete. Um, I think that, you know, there was some talk about Class B being too small, you know. And I don't know. I mean, you've got a number of schools that are 1,400 uh, kids in the school. We've got 1,000. So we're considerably smaller, you know, and, and 950 is Class B. You know, so we're 50 away from that marker. I think that there's probably plenty of schools there in Class B that, compete in class a you know we've uh-huh. we've beaten both our class b um crossovers but you know there's there's other class b schools that have beaten class a teams and you can see that the class b schools are doing a pretty good job against some of those teams that drop down so you know it's it's a it's frustrating actually that that was the alignment and you know we hope that there's more teams in, in class a next year Okay, Coach, thanks. And last question for you. Biggest key to uh, upending the, the Golden Trojans? Well, you, you got to play four quarters of mistakes for football. You know, they execute at a very high level. They don't make many mistakes. Um, you know, when it comes down, you know, they're deep. So, you know, it's got to be in that we've got to be close enough in the third and fourth quarter to have a shot. And then at that point, you know, our kids are going to have to dig pretty deep um, to withstand sort of the depth that they have on, on their side of the ball. So, we can keep it close in the fourth or if we can get a lead and somehow hold that. But that's that's what the other teams have done and haven't been able to do it. So that that fourth quarter effort level is probably going to be the key to this game. All right. Mark Soren, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, and we appreciate your time. Great. Thank you.